history now you got to think about he's writing to a church and he used to be a guy who persecuted the church tried to destroy the church it'd be so easy for the apostle paul when god called him to say like oh i can't do it you don't dude i i was literally trying to destroy the church and now i'm part of it but the apostle paul didn't let his past determine what was going to happen doing something different We all want people to love us, but Jesus said woe to the person who everyone speaks well of. That's because pleasing everyone can be at the expense of making God happy. Keeping everyone happy involves compromising yourself, which can be a terrible snare in the battle for your heart. Today, Pastor Daniel explains how Paul speaks the truth to believers who are straying from God because the goal is to draw nearer to the Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Jesus, Greater Than People Pleasing. All right, I have a very important question for you. I need a show of hands. How many of you have a past? Yeah. All of us have a past, don't we? And you know and I know that our pasts, whatever they may be, good or bad or whatever, those pasts really, really, really impact not only our lives, where we are today, where we're going tomorrow, And today's message is so important for us because we need to realize, each one of us, that God and that Jesus is greater than our past. Jesus is greater than our past, whatever that past actually looked like. Jesus is greater than our past. In a moment, we're going to see how this worked in the life of the Apostle Paul. But I want to tell you a a story about my life because as I've, I've been pretty wide open about some of my story, I remember now about 15 years ago when I'd given my life to Jesus and how I ended up at a church and I felt called to the ministry. And I met a a pastor His name was John Henry Corker, and he was the pastor of the church that I've been going to. Lord willing, I'll be able to bring Pastor John Henry up to meet you all sometime this year. Guys, well, you'll get a right. He's hysterical, man. I used to tell him that if if the pastor thing didn't work out, he could be a comedian, and he'd do just fine. But Pastor John Henry all of a sudden was like, you're going to be a pastor. And he made me an intern at the church, and he gave me an office and all this stuff. And then he got this crazy idea in his head. He said, Daniel, we're going to ordain you to be a pastor. I mean, what a nut. (laughs) And I remember I was like, oh, well, well, you're the pastor. All right. And then the week, then I had to go before the, the elders and the board of directors. 
And it was like the meeting was on Friday. And sure enough, Monday, I, I had that moment of absolute and total panic. I started thinking about this meeting on Friday. And I started thinking, man, John Henry is crazy. And I started freaking out about my story. I knew I was going to sit in a room with six or eight of these really solid, godly, older men, and they were going to ask me questions about my life. And I started thinking about what the answers to those questions were, about all the dumb things that I did, all the trouble I got in, all the trouble that I should have gotten in, but I didn't get caught for, and all these things, and all these mistakes I made, and, and I was getting worked over by myself and by the enemy of my soul. And so sure enough, Pastor John Henry had Mondays off. And so sure enough, I got in the office early on Tuesday and I heard Pastor John Henry come on in. I knew he had a little rhythm to his morning. So I didn't want to be like the first thing he saw. He needed to get settled, get his computer out and get himself ready. And then sure enough, once I knew that that was done, I bolted into his office. I said, Pastor John Henry, I cannot do this. I can't do it. No way. And he's like, Daniel, what are you talking about? I'm like, I can't be a pastor. I mean, you know where I've been and what I've done, and you know how messed up I've messed things up and what my life looked like, and I've told you all this stuff. I can't do it. And it was really the first time I ever saw my pastor get mad. He gave me the stink eye. And then he said, with stink eye coming out of his mouth, so to speak, he said, Daniel, if God has forgiven and forgotten your past, then who are you to remember it anymore? Now get out of my office. <laughs> and my first thought was, maybe I should have waited for him to get some coffee first. <laughs> and as I kind of, he kicked me out of his office, so I left and, you know, and, and I walked into my office and then my New Jersey background kicked in and I was grateful for my pastor who would speak truth into my life even though I didn't want to hear it. He was telling me, Daniel, Jesus is greater than your past. Jesus has forgiven and separated you from all that. Why are you bringing it up again? See, Jesus is greater than our past, but don't miss the fact that there's a whole lot of people who want to take your past and shove it in your face all the time, right? But not Jesus. Jesus is greater than our past. And that's what we're going to see today. And we see it in the life of the Apostle Paul as well. So open up in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. As we continue through the book of Galatians on this series, Jesus is greater than everything, hashtag CCC greater. If you're new to the Bible, I want to get you to the book of Galatians. The New Testament takes up the the final third of your Bible. There's the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first four books in your New Testament. Then you have a book called the Acts of the Apostles, that the way the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles. That's a long book. And then you have Paul's letters. Romans is first, first and second Corinthians. That's the second and third book. And then the book of Galatians. That's the fourth book of Paul's 13 letters. So it sits between 2 Corinthians and the book of Ephesians. So if you're just kind of flipping through, trying to find it, you find the Gospels, move to the right, Acts, move to the right. First and 2 Corinthians, move to the right, Romans, everything else in the Old New Testament, you move to the left, Galatians, 
We're going to take a little bit more scripture than we normally do on a Sunday morning. I'm going to take a little, because I want to get a lot of this story in into one message so that you can see it. So picking up Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days, and I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now, if you were here last weekend, we saw the introduction to the letter that the church in Galatia was at a crossroads, so to speak, because Paul had come and planted churches in that region of Galatia and with the gospel that Jesus is all that you need. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are right with God. And then after him, a group of people came in who theologians call the Judaizers. They came and they said, look, Yeah, the Apostle Paul had it right, but not really right, because you need Jesus, plus you need to be circumcised, or you need to eat kosher food, you need to become Jewish, you need to, in order to become a Christian, you need to become Jewish, really, and believe in the Jewish Messiah. And you can imagine that for the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the churches in Galatia because they're in error, they're making a mistake. And he just said to them, listen, if anybody preaches another gospel, let them be eternally separated from God. Let them be a curse. Let them be anathema. And someone is definitely going to say, well, why? Why should your gospel be the one that we follow, Paul? Why not another gospel? So the apostle Paul uses his own story to show them why. Why it's not another gospel. But this is the most important one. I didn't share it last week, but the book of Galatians breaks down really neatly into three sections. The first and second chapter is Paul's personal testimony. He's using his own past, his own story. So it's personal. Then chapters three and four, it's theological. Paul is using very detailed arguments to explain what the gospel is and how it works. So it's personal chapters one and two. It's theological chapters three and four. 
And then chapters 5 and 6, it's application. It's practical. Now, because of Paul's story and because this is what the gospel is, what does putting legs on it look like? What does a Christian life look like? And so because we're here in chapter 1 and 2, we're in this personal story section. Paul's telling us his story. Now, first I want to bring to your attention that we need to let revelation be personal. You need to let revelation be personal. Why do I say that? Because look what the Apostle Paul says. Verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was presented by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now look down in chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. You see that? In just a few verses, we have the same idea that God revealed Jesus in Paul. And he was living his life based on personal revelation. My friends, we need to let revelation be personal. God wants to reveal himself personally to you and to me and all of God's people. But you have to let it be personal. Now, that word revelation, I've shared this with you before, but I'll do it again because it's fun. That word revelation in the Greek is the word apocalypsis, which we get our word apocalypse from. Now, when you think of an apocalypse and to let apocalypse be personal, you guys should all feel a little uncomfortable with that reality, right? Because when you think of the apocalypse, you think of the end of the world. You think of when everything goes bad. There's a whole genre of movies called post-apocalyptic movies. It looks like we're going to be going around the Mad Max again, as if we didn't have enough Mad Max the first time around. There's these movies about after everything gets really, really bad. That's what we think of the apocalypse. We think of the world coming to an end. But the word in the Greek doesn't mean the end of the world. The word in the Greek literally means to unwrap a present, to see what's inside. Think about it. We just did it for Christmas, right? You got presents, and you look at the box, and you wonder what's inside. And then you unwrap it, and you open the box, and then you have a revelation of what's inside. The beginning of the book of Revelation says the revelation of what? Jesus Christ. It doesn't say the revelation of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast or the one world government. Even though those things are in there, the book is really about the unpacking of the personality of Jesus. And that is what God is doing in each of our lives. He wants to reveal his son in us. And we need to let revelation be personal. And it was for the Apostle Paul. Now you might be saying, okay, so Fusco, that's great. I want to know how. How does it work? In Psalm 19, we find out about three layers of revelation. And you can study this in your own time, but the, the whole psalm breaks down that first, God reveals himself to us generally in creation, in the things that God has made. 
All of God's created order reveals who God is to us in a general sense. So you have general revelation in creation, the created order. Second, we have specific revelation in the word of God. God has revealed himself to us in a book. And that's why we study this book relentlessly, unashamedly. We like the Bible. It's God's specific revelation of the character and personality that he has. And then at the end of Psalm 19, it says that revelation needs to be personal. That's where I get that idea of let revelation be personal. So you need to say, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. And I want my eyes open in a general way in all the things that you've created. In a specific way through your word from Genesis to Revelation. But it needs to be personal. And the Apostle Paul is talking here about his personal revelation. Look what he says back in verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor through man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul said that in verse 1, didn't he? He said his apostleship didn't come through a person it came from God. And now he's saying the gospel, I didn't learn it from somebody. Nobody sat down and explained it to me. God gave it to me. Because you could imagine these Judaizers who came to the church in Galatia said, oh, yeah, listen, the apostle Paul, he learned everything from the Jerusalem apostles. And so we're here to set you guys right because Paul's got it wrong. Paul's like, no, no, no. I didn't get it from anybody. God revealed himself to me and in me. Look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. That I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. In my own nation, being exceedingly more zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Now, Paul's given his story. He's like, you guys have heard that I was passionate. I was a radical in Judaism. How I persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. How I, so to speak, advance, I climb the religious ladder beyond my contemporaries. I was even more zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He found himself as a member of the group of Pharisees in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 3 to 6, Paul again tells his story. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh... I'm also circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. See, Paul's got history. Now you got to think about it. He's writing to a church, and he used to be a guy who persecuted the church, tried to destroy the church. It'd be so easy for the Apostle Paul when God called him to say, like, oh, I can't do it. You don't, dude, I, I was literally trying to destroy the church, and now I'm part of it. But the Apostle Paul didn't let his past determine what was going to happen. He's doing something different. And this really shows the value of the personal testimony. Now, I want to tell you this real quick. A testimony's power has nothing to do with how raunchy it, was, it is. Some of us have raunchy testimonies. When God is at work in your life and you tell people about it, God's at work at your life and you tell people about it. It's about God's work in your life. 
When revelation is personal, you can share your story in a way that honors God. I often find that the people with the raunchiest testimony, they like to tell their testimony because they like to get back into the filth of their old life. I used to call those a bragamony. Look how nasty I was. We don't want to go back to that garbage, but it is part of the story. It is part of the story. I notice the Apostle Paul, he's saying, this is what I did. This is who I was. But then in verse 15, and don't miss my favorite Bible word right there. Look at the first word of verse 15. What's the word? But. I love the buts of the Bible, man. Why are you guys giggling? What do you think I'm talking about? I never saw Moses as glutus maximus. But but is a contrast word. It's a word that says, look, it was this, but now it's this. Notice, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, notice what happens when revelation with God becomes personal. In verse 14 and 13, Paul is telling about his before Jesus days. And notice it's I, 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 I. It's all about Paul. My former conduct. I persecuted the church and tried to swear. I advanced in Judaism beyond all my contemporaries. But then God intervenes. And in verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. He's talking about Acts chapter 9. He's talking about his conversion experience. But notice, in Paul's conversion experience, before it was I, 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 and now it's the Lord and God and what God did. And my friends, that is the big difference. In our lives before Jesus, it's all about us. Me, me, me. I, I, I. And then when God reveals himself in us, now we don't really want to talk about ourselves because God has divorced us from our obsession with ourselves. And God says, no, no, no. I'm talking about what God has done. And look at what God has done. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, he's like, look, my life is in the hands of God. And called me through his grace. And God has a calling on our lives. And to reveal his son in me. God not only created you and separated you from your mother's womb. But he called you that he might reveal Jesus in you. And the difference between a follower of Jesus and someone who doesn't follow Jesus is right here. It's either all about you or it's all about Jesus. And don't miss that when it's all about you, I is in the stands right in the middle of the word pride. I is the centerpiece. It's all about me and I, 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 look what I've done and who am I and ooh. And And I think that's why our world is so grumpy today. Because everybody wants to be the sun in the center of their own solar system with everything orbiting around them. And the problem is, is when you think you're the sun in the center of the solar system and nothing orbits around you, it's quite disconcerting, isn't it? It's a bummer that nobody realizes how central you are to existence. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, you're not the sun in the center of the solar system. Jesus is. Jesus is real. The Apostle Paul had a past, a past that involved persecuting and killing Christians. But God used Paul to bring so many to Jesus. Paul preached God's grace and it was personal for him. His former self was gone and the new man was born. 
It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel explains why we need to be teachable. Paul is a great example of someone who could have just gone with what he knew, but he was constantly learning and searching for truth. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. 